Thanks for downloading or purchasing this sermon from Christchurch Forward. To find out more, visit forwardchurch.co.uk or join us on Sundays. Acts chapter 12, reading verses 1 through to 24. It was about this time that King Herod arrested some who belonged to the church, intending to persecute them. He had James, the brother of John, put to death with the sword. When he saw that this pleased the Jews, he proceeded to seize Peter also. This happened during the Feast of Unleavened Bread. After arresting him, he put him in prison, handing him over to be guarded by four squads of four soldiers each. Herod intended to bring him out for public trial after the Passover. Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. The night before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains, and sentries stood guard at the entrance. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him up. Quick, get up, he said, and the chains fell off Peter's wrist. Then the angel said to him, put on your clothes and sandals, and Peter did so. Wrap your cloak around you and follow me, the angel told him. Peter followed him out of the prison, but he had no idea that what the angel was doing was really happening. He thought he was seeing a vision. They passed the first and second guards and came to the iron gate leading to the city. It opened for them by itself, and they went through it. When they had walked the length of one street, suddenly the angel left him. Then Peter came to himself and said, Now I know without a doubt that the Lord sent his angel and rescued me from Herod's clutches and from everything the Jewish people were anticipating. When this had dawned on him, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark where many people had gathered and were praying. Peter knocked at the outer entrance, and a servant girl named Rhoda came to answer the door. When she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed, she ran back without opening it and exclaimed, Peter is at the door. You are out of your mind, they told her. When she kept insisting that it was so, they said, it must be his angel. But Peter kept on knocking, and they opened the door and saw him. They were astonished. Peter motioned with his hand for them to be quiet and described how the Lord had brought him out of prison. Tell James and the brothers about this, he said, and then he left for another place. In the morning, there was no small commotion among the soldiers as to what had become of Peter. After Herod had a thorough search made for him and did not find him, He cross-examined the guards and ordered that they be executed. Then Herod went from Judea to Caesarea and stayed there a while. He had been quarreling with the people of Tyre and Sidon. They now joined together and sought an audience with him. Having secured the support of Blastus, a trusted personal servant of the king, they asked for peace because they depended on the king's country for their food supply. On the appointed day, Herod, wearing his royal robes, sat on his throne and delivered a public address to the people. They shouted, this is the voice of a god, not of a man. Immediately, because Herod did not give praise to God 
An angel of the Lord struck him down, and he was eaten by worms and died. But the word of God continued to increase and spread. Andrea, thank you very much for reading that passage. Please, please keep Acts 12 open in front of you. And uh, thank you for your, for your warm welcome. A- Amy and the children and I feel very, uh, very welcomed by you, so thank you very much for that. And uh, why don't I lead us in a prayer before we look at God's word together. Father, thank you for the privilege of being able to gather together as your people under your word. And we pray that you would speak to us this morning for our comfort and our encouragement and our upbuilding. Please help us to respond to you in, in the faith and obedience that you deserve through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Could Christianity ever be killed off? I wonder if you've ever asked that question of yourself, whether, you're a, whether you'd call yourself a convinced Christian here this morning or not. Uh, I wonder if you've ever asked that question, could Christianity ever be killed off? I wonder what you think. You may have heard of um, the author Philip Pullman. He's, uh, he's an atheist. He, he wrote the children's series, His Dark Materials, Philip Pullman once declared, without a doubt, Christianity will cease to exist in a few years. Uh, you might know that John Lennon uh, once said that the, uh, the Beatles were more popular than Jesus. I'm told that the full quote uh, is this. It's from 1966. Uh, Lennon said, Christianity will go. It will vanish and shrink. I needn't argue about that. I'm right and I'll be proved right. We're more popular than Jesus now. I don't know which will go first, rock and roll or Christianity. I wonder what you think. Uh, could Christianity ever, ever just cease to exist? Could it just shrink and, and die away? Uh, it is true that, that great cultures and religions come and go. The great Roman Empire uh, came to an end. No one worships their gods anymore, uh, Jupiter and Apollo and, and so on. Could that happen to Jesus and to the church? I wonder what you think. We see uh, the culture here in the West becoming increasingly hostile to a biblical worldview. We see the church persecuted strongly in various places around the world. Are the church's days numbered? Could the church ever cease to exist? Well, the passage that we're looking at in Acts this morning opens in an incredibly dramatic way. Uh, The first apostle martyred, then the the, the leading apostle's life in grave danger. And I imagine quite a few Christians in Jerusalem that week might well have been asking, could the church be killed off? But as we look at this chapter this morning, we'll see that the church will never be forsaken And it'll never be crushed. And as the historian T.R. Glover has said, the final disappearance of Christianity has been prophesied so often as to be no longer interesting. And as we look at this chapter, we'll see that the reason for that, the reason for that is the Lord, the Lord of the church, the Lord who protects and guards his church. The reason is the Lord And we're going to see three truths about the Lord from Acts chapter 12 this morning. And the first is this up on screen. He is the Lord who rescues. 
the Lord who rescues. And we're looking at the first 11 verses of chapter 12. Do you have a look down with me at verse 1? Luke writes, It was about this time that King Herod arrested some who belonged to the church, intending to persecute them. Now, this is a, this is a different Herod uh, to the one who uh, killed John the Baptist and the one who helped um, have Jesus executed. Uh, this is the nephew of that Herod, but it seems that they're cut from the same cloth. Verse 2, he had James, the brother of John, put to death with the sword. When he saw that this pleased the Jews, he proceeded to seize Peter also. This happened during the festival of unleavened bread. After arresting him, he put him in prison, handing him over to be guarded by four squads of four soldiers each. Herod intended to bring him out for public trial after the Passover. And I guess his intention was to execute him as well. Now, try for a moment to put yourselves in the shoes of the the Christians there that week. I think it's hard to, to comprehend the blow that this would have been to the church back then. Peter, James, and John were the the three apostles who had been closest to Jesus during Jesus' ministry, uh, with Peter as the leader. And to lose James, and to be on the brink of losing Peter as well within a few days, I think that would have been appalling. Just um, try to imagine some kind of modern-day parallel with the church here, with uh, Christchurch forward. Imagine Pete Scammon dies suddenly of of a terrible illness, And then days later, uh, Paul is in intensive care with the same illness. He's expected to die. How would you feel as a a congregation? You'd be shaken to the core. You'd be thinking, how are we going to keep going as a church? Well, that's that's what it would have felt like for these Christians in Jerusalem that week, only more so, I take it. And so no wonder, verse five, so Peter was kept in prison But the church was earnestly praying to God for him. Earnestly praying. And verse 6. The night before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains, and sentries stood guard at the entrance. Herod is taking no chances with Peter. This is tight security. Four squads of four soldiers each, the idea being that they, uh, they change watch every three hours overnight so that, they, that they're only ever um, awake for three hours. They're, they're alert, they're fresh. And uh, Peter is there. He's sleeping between two soldiers. It seems that he'd have had one arm chained to, to one soldier on each side. That was common practice. Uh, sentries outside. This is tight security. Uh, it might be that Herod had heard of Peter's previous escape from prison. If you know the book of Acts, that happened back in chapter 5. And uh, Herod's taking no risks. It's very interesting, isn't it, that Peter is asleep. Uh, He might die tomorrow, but he's able to sleep soundly tonight. Uh, This is a man who knows where he's going. He, He knows that he'd be going home. But the Lord has other plans. Verse 7. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared, and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him up. Quick, get up, he said, and the chains fell off Peter's wrists. Then the angel said to him, put on your clothes and sandals. And Peter did so. Wrap your cloak around you and follow me, the angel told him. 
Peter followed him out of prison. But interestingly, he had no idea that what the angel was doing was really happening. He thought he was seeing a vision. They passed the first and the second guards and came to the iron gate leading to the city. It opened for them by itself. Uh, Nice. And they went through it. Uh, When they'd walked the length of one street and Peter was safely well into Jerusalem, suddenly the angel left him. And just imagine Peter for a moment. He's, uh, He's standing there. He kind of looks around himself. He uh, maybe walks over to a wall and just touches it and feels the stone and thinks to himself, flipping heck, this is actually happening. Verse 11, then Peter came to himself and said, now I know without a doubt that the Lord sent his angel and rescued me from Herod's clutches and from everything the Jewish people were anticipating. I've been boosted from prison by a supernatural being. And he does a little quiet fist pump and then he turns up his collar and pulls down his hat and he rushes off to Mark's house. It's an amazing incident. It's a a true miracle. It's uh, it's one of three prison breaks that you have in the book of Acts. You have uh, the apostles in chapter five, this one, and then uh, Paul and Silas in chapter 16 in Philippi. They're rare, they're wonderful, and it's clear evidence here that the Lord protects his church. The Lord protects his church. He's the Lord who rescues. Now there's mystery when we think about that because he allows James to be killed, doesn't he? But he does rescue Peter. He does intervene with Peter. He rescues him. The, uh, the Chinese Christian leader, Brother Yun, says that when they train their missionaries in China, they train them to do three things. They train them to witness for the Lord, they train them to suffer for the Lord, and they train them to escape for the Lord. And when they're training their missionaries for gospel ministry, they teach them all the kind of things that they taught me uh, and Paul when we trained for gospel ministry, but they also teach them how to escape from handcuffs and they, uh, they teach them how to drop from first-floor uh, first windows. They face serious opposition. And every time one of those Chinese missionaries escapes to continue doing gospel ministry, they do so with the help of the Lord. He's the Lord who rescues. The church may seem like it's in dire straits at times, It might feel at moments as though the Lord has forgotten us, but the Lord has never forgotten us. Yes, he allows setbacks at times. James was allowed to die. But the Lord is building his church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. He's the Lord who rescues. It's the first truth we see about the Lord in this passage. Here's the second. He's the Lord who listens He's the Lord who listens. And uh, let me read from verse 12. When this had dawned on Peter, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark, the, uh, the author of Mark's gospel, when many people had gathered and were praying. They were praying, weren't they? They were praying earnestly from earlier in the chapter. It seems that at this stage, 
in the life of the church. Christians are now meeting as house churches around the city. A large number of them are there in Mark's mum's house and they're praying together. Verse 13, Peter knocked at the outer entrance and a servant girl named Rhoda came to answer the door. When she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed she ran back without opening it and exclaimed, Peter's at the door. So it's a good moment, isn't it? She's so excited she just completely forgets to let him in. And uh, verse 15, they say, you're out of your mind. When she kept insisting that it was so, they said, it must be his angel, which is uh, an intriguing statement. We're not really quite sure what they mean by that. But one thing is clear, they can't believe that Peter is actually there. It's possible that they weren't praying for a miraculous escape. It might be that they'd been praying um, that he would be pardoned the next day. Or maybe they'd been praying that he'd have some kind of lesser punishments than execution. Uh, And if so, well, God does far more than they'd asked for, far more than they'd even imagined, and they can't believe it. Uh, Rhoda comes in, she says, Peter's outside, and they can't believe it. I mean, consider for a moment, what, what do they not say? Well, they don't say, praise God. I told you we have a big God, we've been praying, brilliant, get him in, let's get the kettle on, let's give him a drink. They don't say that, do they? What do they say? They roll their eyes, they say, thanks Rhoda, yeah, well done. Rhoda's overexcited again. Uh, Well, okay, Rhoda, well, you may have seen something, but it wasn't Peter. That's what they say, and the Lord just blows them away with what he has accomplished. Verse 16 Peter kept on knocking, and when they opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. Peter motioned with his hand for them to be quiet and described how the Lord had brought him out of prison. Tell James and the brothers about this, he said, and then he left for another place. Uh, The James there is a a different James, of course. That's uh, James, the Lord's brother, Uh, And this James now becomes a prominent leader in Jerusalem. And Peter wisely escapes. He carries on his apostolic ministry elsewhere. And the Lord has shown himself to be very powerful and very generous. He's the Lord who listens. Back in the mid-80s, the Christian leader Nigel Lee was uh, leading a Christian Union mission in Oxford. And uh, he, he, he gathered all the Christian students and he was encouraging them just before the, the mission began. He wanted to encourage them to pray. And he quoted to them a Christian author called Sidlow Baxter. And he said this, Men may spurn our appeals, reject our message, oppose our arguments, despise our persons, but they are helpless against our prayers. And Nigel Lee carried on speaking to these Christian students and he said, let's ask God to commit as many newborn Christians into our hands as we can ever cope with. Think big, let praise ring out in heaven. And it was a wonderful encouragement for those students, a great call to pray 
And the believers in Jerusalem prayed, didn't they? They prayed earnestly. That's what it says in verse 5. They prayed earnestly. Do you know that's exactly how Luke describes Jesus praying when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane before he went to the cross? He prayed earnestly. It was a privilege to be with you on Wednesday for your uh, church family prayer evenings. Always lovely to visit uh, a new church and to, to pray with uh, brothers and sisters. And uh, I was encouraged by the, the rich and biblical prayers that people around me, around me were making. If you weren't there on Wednesday, we prayed for a whole host of concerns, a whole range of uh, uh, different, uh, different things. We prayed for the persecuted church in Iraq at one moment. Persecuted church there is suffering intensely. Thousands have been driven from their homes by Islamic states. And uh, as we've seen here in this passage, the Lord does allow setbacks at times, doesn't he? He allows James to be killed. He's allowing terrible things to happen to his people in Iraq. But we trust that the Lord is still on his throne. We trust that uh, it's good and it's right to cry out to him in prayer to pray for his suffering people there, to pray for further gospel growth in that country. The Lord's plans are not failing there. He will save his chosen people in Iraq and he will bring them safely into eternity. Uh, We prayed for the Doncaster plant as well. Thank you for praying for that. We're in this early stage at the moment where we're trying to gather a a group of gospel-hearted people who could move over and uh, commit to that initiative. And I take courage from this chapter. I take courage uh, from what it says about prayer and the power of prayer, uh, the power of earnest prayer, the willingness of the Lord to listen and to answer his people's prayers, to, to even do more than we'd asked for or more than we'd imagined. It's an encouraging chapter as we think about prayer. Your, your prayers are very valuable. Do please pray for that. Um, that plant into Doncaster. And I wonder if for some of you, as you pray, uh, the Lord might put into your heart a growing sense uh, that you could be the answer to your own prayers. I wonder if that might be the case. Well, the Lord who rescues, the Lord who listens, and then lastly as we finish, he is the Lord who strikes And we're looking at verses 18 to 24. So Peter has has escaped. Peter has now left town. He's left Jerusalem. And verse 18, in the morning, there was no small commotion among the soldiers as to what had become of Peter. As you can imagine, here were were 16 well-trained military men. They'd all been primed and ready. Uh, the, The plan was to have a few hours each Uh, on during the night shift, so they were bright and alert. Peter's all squared away. He's safe as houses, no problem at all. And then the next thing they know is the sunlight streaming in through the window, and he's gone. They realize they've been snoring all night, and the prisoner has gone. They've got no memory of of what happened, uh, no trace of him. He's disappeared. Verse 19, after Herod had a thorough search made for him and didn't find him, He cross-examined the guards, who we know were absolutely clueless, and he ordered that they be executed. That was the culture back in the Roman Empire. 
Uh, if you let your prisoner escape, your life was forfeit. And Herod follows that practice. Herod uh, shows no mercy. Herod is actually a key figure throughout this chapter. His name is uh, mentioned repeatedly throughout the whole of Acts chapter 12. And you get a sense of who he was, don't you? Reading this chapter at the start, there he is arresting Christians, killing James, aiming to kill Peter. Here he kills his guards. He's a violent man. He's He's a vicious opponent of the gospel. And his conduct comes to a climax with these final verses in the chapter. Middle of verse 19. Then Herod went from Judea to Caesarea and stayed there a while. Caesarea was the administrative center of the area. And verse 20, he'd been quarreling with the people of Tyre and Sidon, uh, two cities further up the coast. They now joined together and they sought an audience with him. Having secured the support of Blastus, a trusted personal servant of the king, they asked for peace because they depended on the king's country for their food supply. So Herod, Herod has a lot of power over these people, doesn't he? Herod controls the supermarkets. Herod can up the prices. Herod can lower the supply. He has a tremendous amount of power over these people. He has them in a vice, really. And the delegates from Tyre and Sidon know this, and so they come to him to give him what he wants. Verse 21. On the appointed day, Herod, wearing his royal robes, sat on his throne and delivered a public address to the people. And laying it on with a trowel, they shouted, This is the voice of a God, not a man. Immediately, because Herod didn't give praise to God, an angel of the Lord struck him down, and he was eaten by worms and died. You see, Herod is a proud, proud man. He neither fears God nor fears man. If it serves him to crush the church and please the Jews, then it's, then it's fine, off with their heads. If it pleases Herod to toy with entire cities, then it's, oh, I didn't quite hear that. Maybe if you asked me on your knees. Outwardly, he's a, he's a Jewish believer, but he is a vicious man, an arrogant man. And after giving him time, the Lord's patience runs out and he sends an angel Invisibly this time, it seems. And the Lord strikes him down. Interestingly, uh, Josephus, the Jewish historian, also writes about this incident. And Josephus also thinks that Herod sins badly here as a Jewish man. And uh, that he, he also treats his death as God's judgments. Josephus notes that the robes that Herod was wearing were made of silver and they glittered in the sun as Herod sat there uh, and stood to give his oration. And it reminded me of something that I'd read about Turkmenistan. Uh, Turkmenistan is a country in Asia. It's just next to Iran. And uh, their previous ruler was president for life from the early 90s. And he had thousands of statues of himself put up all around the country, including one in the capital that was 12 meters high and covered in gold, and it had a mechanism so that it rotated 
so that it always faced the sun and always glittered in the sun. Isn't that awful? Uh, President Nyazov. He renamed January after himself. He renamed April after his mother. He renamed September after a book that he wrote, a book that children around the country have to study. He renamed Bread after his mother. Uh, He once said, I'm personally against seeing my pictures and statues in the streets, but it's what the people want. I'm not sure that it was. And as you might imagine, it's tremendously difficult to be a Christian in Turkmenistan. Uh, the, uh, the Christian charity Open Doors uh, rank at number 19 on their global persecution list, the 19th hardest place to be a Christian in the whole world. Well, President Nyazov died suddenly in 2006. We see here in Acts chapter 12 that the Lord will protect his church. He will build his church. And the Lord will judge its enemies. He will judge the enemies of the church, whether it's in this life or in the next. Just listen to John Stott uh, in his commentary on Acts. John Stott says, The chapter opens with James dead, Peter in prison, and Herod triumphing. The chapter closes with Herod dead, Peter free, and the word of God triumphing. Just have a look down at verse 24. Uh, Because Herod didn't give praise to God, an angel of the Lord struck him down. Verse 24, but the word of God continued to increase and spread. The word of God continued to increase and spread. This is one of Luke's summary verses. It brings this uh, section of Acts to a close. Luke is saying, the Lord reigns. His church will never be conquered. His gospel will never be extinguished. The Lord rescues, the Lord listens, the Lord strikes. And his word increases and spreads. If you're here this morning and you wouldn't say that you are a convinced Christian yet... If that's you this morning, I wonder what you make of his word. What do you make of the Lord's message? We'd love to help you find out more about it. There are plenty of opportunities to do so here at Christchurch. Please know that if you were ever to respond to his message, he would listen and he would give you forgiveness and he would give you inclusion in his people. He would give you eternal life. And I hope you want to find out more. And for those of us who do know him, well, let's keep looking to him in faith. He is the Lord of the church. He rules and he reigns from his throne in heaven. It may feel as though things are becoming more difficult for us. Our culture continues to drift from its Christian roots. We see that in its view of marriage and of family life and of gender. And we ask ourselves, what will the future hold? Will it become more difficult to live as Christians in this country? Will we be persecuted? Will our leaders be imprisoned? Will we be crushed? Well, the Lord does allow setbacks, as we've seen. He allowed James to be killed. But he reigns on his heavenly throne. 
He will never allow his church to be extinguished. He will never allow his gospel to be conquered. The Lord rescues and the Lord listens and the Lord strikes and his word will increase and spread. And with that in mind, let me lead us in a prayer. Lord Jesus, we praise you for the great privilege of being members of your people. And we look to you in faith as the Lord of the church. We praise you that you are able to oversee the entire church all around the world, that you care for each of your people, that each of them is precious to you. Uh, We pray for the persecuted church in Iraq, and we praise you that you oversee them lovingly that you will gather them safely into eternity. We pray that you would keep us looking to you for gospel growth. We pray that you might give that growth in Doncaster that we're, loving, uh, that we're hoping for. And uh, Lord, we ask that you would keep our eyes fixed on you, that you would keep us trusting in your power to rescue, in your willingness to bring justice, in your willingness to listen to our prayers. And please would you continue to work powerfully to cause your word to increase and spread to the praise of your name. Amen.